You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. Today's a continuation of the player review series. We're going to go to the pitching side of things with Sandy Alcantara, who I was excited to talk about. I wish we had a larger sample size of his only seven starts, so I tried to mitigate or at least account for the smaller sample size in as many ways as possible with the analytics, so I will get into that. But still, a lot of things that stood out to me that despite the small sample size that we had not seen in any stints before, especially velocity. So I'll get into that. But overall, a good quote-unquote season going 3-2 and two in those seven starts and a flat 3 ERA, 42 innings pitched, 39 strikeouts, a 1.19 whip. And when I look at each start, because I almost remember all of them pretty vividly, the FIP is a little bit higher at 3.77 overall. I don't care about that at all. I'm not worried about that pointing towards regression. FIP has never liked Sandy Alcantara to begin with, but I think the FIP will start to be closer to his ERA starting next year. He had the one blow-up start when he came back, and it wasn't even a blow-up because he settled in and still got five innings at least, or six innings under his belt. But when he came back against the eventual pennant-winning Rays, he came back, that was his first start, and he gave up, I want to say, three or four home runs in that start. Just kind of a shock factor getting back into it after missing so much time with the COVID-19 list and all of that craziness. Besides that, he was very good all year, but we know FIP hates home runs. You give up a handful of home runs in one start, that's going to skew the FIP when you only have seven starts in your season. That's some of the small sample size effects that you'll see. So I try not to look at that too much. I wanted to focus more on pitch usage and why he was so effective in certain starts because we saw the best of Sandy at times this year. I would say opening day was one of the best starts we've ever seen from Sandy Alcantara, and I would say the last game of the season or one of the last games of the season was one of the best starts we've ever seen from Sandy Alcantara. That was against the Phillies on opening day and at the end against the Yankees, two spectacular starts. And at the end, we saw a cocky Sandy Alcantara, right? Like we saw a guy that was like, they're not ready for my stuff, they'll see. And this is a different kind of guy than we've seen in the past, and I love it. Now, is Sandy a long-term ace? I don't know about that, but I do think he's a frontline starter. And if Sandy Alcantara is your number two starter or your number three, you are in very, very good shape, and you're probably a perennial playoff team. I think the Marlins have high hopes for Edward Cabrera and Sixto Sanchez, and I think they hope that both of them, or at least one of them, will be a little bit better than Sandy. Regardless, Sandy is young, he's controllable, he continues to blossom before our eyes, so there is always a chance that he could blossom into an ace, but the Marlins have a very safe arm right now that is a front end of the rotation starter, which is something that you are very happy to have moving forward. With the season he had, I think you could build upon those seven starts, and what stood out to me the most was the jump in velocity. While he jumped in just about every pitch by a decent amount, 
the sinker up a full mile per hour, the four-seamer up 1.2 miles per hour, the slider up a mile per hour, the changeup up a mile per hour, which means just everything was exploding out of his hand more. And the sinker became a much more used pitch for him, and it became a much more effective pitch. He was not as effective with the sinker in 2019 gave up a 243 batting average with when he threw the sinker in 2019 this year 179 and that's why it makes sense that he threw it seven percent more frequently because of the fact that it was a spectacular pitch he was holding guys to a 179 batting average but on top of the added velocity to the sinker he gained movement too it is moving more, or at least it moved more in this past season, at least a good half inch to an inch of horizontal and vertical movement. So he was also getting harder bite to it. Harder velocity, harder bite is a good combination for more swings and misses. That's exactly what Sandy Alcantara got. And that's why you saw him cut that average down against the sinker by 64 points. The four-seamer Got squared up a little bit more, I will say that, but he used it really well as a setup pitch for the changeup, which was the most effective it's been for him in his career as well. So the average against the four-seamer, despite the fact that it was 1.2 miles per hour harder, went up from 229 to 250, but that's a small sample size type of thing too, because again, we're looking at one start where a few of his fastballs get knocked for a hit. That's going to skew the batting average against that one singular pitch when you're only talking about seven starts. What is more telling is that the whiff percentage or swing and miss percentage went up on the four-seamer and the changeup. He used the four-seamer well in the upper tier of the zone. He used the sinker and changeup well in the bottom tier of the zone. And when we talk about Sixto Sanchez time and time again about how the sinker and changeup, if they're both hard, they kind of blend together and guys can still just account for hard and low in the zone. Having that four-seamer like Sandy does has made him that much more effective this year, and that's why he got a lot of swings and misses elevated and then froze a lot of guys at the knees with the sinker or was able to bust them in. The slider also jumped by a mile per hour and was more effective this year as well. He did throw the four-seamer 5% less frequently, which makes sense as it wasn't quite as effective as the sinker. You may be thinking, you know, small sample size, maybe he wouldn't carry this velocity through an entire season. And that was something I thought of too. So I checked if his velocity in any singular month, even early in the season, you know, May, June, July, if he had ever peaked in a singular month higher than these peak velocities. And the answer is no. He has never gotten this high in any single month velocity-wise. So when you're looking at that, that means that this is probably an increase that is sustainable for him. Now, do I think he can sustain it for a full season? That'll remain to be seen. But there's one thing that is for sure. He hasn't done this before, so you can't chalk it up to just solely the shortened season and smaller sample size. The more question or the more realistic question is, can he sustain this uptick in velocity? Clearly it has helped him and clearly he's added some movement to go with it. You pair that with the fact that he was better with his command, his walk rate dropped by a percentage and he was better at getting swings and misses. It's all the makings for a better pitcher all around. That's why we saw his ground ball rate raise by 5%, right? You use the sinker 7% more frequently, you're going to see the ground ball rate 
rise by 5%. At least you would like to see that. So that is a good thing. The K rate jumps by 5% and the walk rate drops by 1%. So this is all things that you love to see. And he just showed poise out there on the mound. And whether you think he can become an ace or not, that's up to every individual person. But he had the attitude of an ace, which is what I want to see from a guy that has the stuff that Sandy has. He gave us nightmares of Jose Urania early on, if you remember, when the Marlins ultimately had to send him back down because of his command issues. He was not getting swing and misses. And you're looking at his stuff and you're like, he's throwing upper 90s with movement and he can't get swings and misses. It was reminiscent of Jose Urania. But then he really figured things out and he mixes it up well. He has incredible flexibility to his arsenal and can change it up. I really like how both him and Sixto can change the way they pitch by start. So you game plan for somebody, you might not be getting that guy. And Sixto's still learning that, but he's shown the ability to do it. Sandy is showing it even better, and I'm glad that Sixto has somebody that he can learn from like Sandy. I'm going to talk about some of the strategic things he did as to how he approached batters when he was ahead in the count, behind in the count, and some interesting little tidbits into that in the second half of the podcast. But a reminder that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or dealership when you can just go to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that has been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. rockauto.com has an easy-to-navigate website. You don't have the headache of going to the dealership and paying more money or going to the chain store and being intimidated by a bunch of questions as to what kind of module or whatever the heck that they want to ask you, expecting you to know, and then you feel dumb because you don't know what they're asking you about. So you just walk over to your car and kind of point to what the issue was and where it is. And yeah, this has clearly happened to me before. So if you're like me and want to avoid that, just go to rockauto.com and you can find the car part you need by the description. Their website's super easy to navigate and you won't have any problem finding that part and you will not leave yourself embarrassed like me. Go to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. So we're going to talk about Sandy Alcantara's unique and slightly adjusted pitchability this year that I was very impressed with. Because yes, his command was improved, but he does not get ahead of hitters as frequently as you'd like to see. That's going to be a work in progress. I am still happy with where we've seen the walk rate decrease from because remember his first stints, the two stints in the big leagues, the walk rate was hovering around 15%. Then he dropped it down to 9.7. Then this year drops it down to 8.7. So let's hope to see that trend continuing. But the thing I did like that we saw from him is that when he does fall behind in the count, This year, he was much more comfortable going to the sinker behind in the count, and it was a good bailout pitch for him where if you're behind two two balls, no strikes, and guys are sitting dead red, you go to the sinker and get them to roll over on it. I mentioned before the break about that uptick in the ground ball percentage. A big part of that was the fact that when hitters were sitting dead red and ready to go, just ready to unleash their swing on the next pitch he was going to throw because a guy that throws as hard as Sandy, you're ready. 2-0, I'm jumping on this heater. I know it's coming. 
but then he throws you a nasty sinker that bites away from you and you roll over it. That's what he was doing because when he was behind in the count in 2019, he went to the sinker 33% of the time, which was actually more than any other pitch, but still not enough in my opinion because this year he goes to the sinker 50% of the time when he's behind in the count, literally every other pitch. And while most guys would lean on a fastball or maybe go to the off speed if they are really confident with it, Sandy can just go to this hard sinker that, reminder, is harder than it was in 2019 and moves more than it did in 2019. So now this is looking like a plus pitch. He can go to a plus pitch when he's behind in the count and it's not just a four-seam fastball. I love that because before he was throwing the four-seam behind in the count more frequently. He threw it 30% of the time in 2019, which that's the pitch that the hitter's hitting dead red on. And 98 and straight, they're going to hit that. He cuts that down by 10% this year, only throws the four-seamer 20% of the time when he's behind in the count as a result of him throwing the sinker 50% of the time. The other thing I really liked with his pitch usage was the fact that he threw the slider more with two strikes. You're not going to get swings and misses if you just mix up these three pitches of the sinker, the four-seamer, and the changeup. They're all too similar. They are great if you can mix in a slider. We saw that, again, with Sixto. If you can mix in the slider and the occasional show-me curve, which he did as well, very rarely, but at least once a game, just as a show-me to keep it in the back of your head, that is enough to keep people honest. But the slider overall, he was going to more when he was ahead in the count, which is exactly what I had been waiting for him to do. 2019, throws it 26.9% of the time when he's ahead. This year, throws it 31% of the time when he's ahead and got more swings and misses on it this year, which is what we expect from a guy that's going with a harder slider and getting more movement with it. Is it as good of a pitch as it should be? Not quite yet. And I think that's something that he's definitely focused on because he has not been able to put guys away with it quite as much as he should, but it did set up the changeup well as a pitch that he didn't normally get as much swing and miss on. He got twice as much swing and miss on average on the changeup this year than he did years prior. Still, I would like to see that slider have some more bite to it and be a little bit tighter, but overall, the fact that he's more comfortable using it, the fact that it was more effective this year are all great signs. Again, just want to see him harness that pitch a little bit more because I would say the sinker is a plus pitch, the changeup flash is plus. Of course, his four-seamer is a plus velocity pitch where if he locates it, again, is an above-average pitch and he's got a lot going for him, and he's got a high spin rate on the fastball too. So that's why the four-seamer is going to play up, especially up in the zone. So Sandy definitely making those steps. We are seeing the Marlins pitchers be much more studious, and I think that's something that is a big part of the organization now where we see the adjustments that they make start to start, and we see them continuing to use and hone in on the pitches that work for them, and that's definitely from the data analytics, right? Before, I don't know if they were going in and looking as much at what pitches are working where and how to apply that because analytics was not as much uh, emphasized in this organization. Now we're seeing it happen, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Sandy's more effective pitches are being used more. You'd think every pitcher would do that, but it's hard to have a full grasp on how to use your arsenal when you're not dabbling into the analytics as much as you should. Marlins are doing that now, and we're seeing 
good results. So how does Sandy fit into a trade package for Francisco Lindor? No, I'm kidding. We're not going to see Sandy go anywhere because he is going to be a fixture in this rotation for years to come. He's young. He's controllable. He's a consistent guy that now is one of the more tenured Marlins and will be in a couple years on the entire organization. So he's one of the guys, I talk about continuity, that you want to have as you start to make your way towards consistent contention. I think when you have Miguel Rojas, Brian Anderson, and Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez, that's part of that nucleus. You can make the case for Garrett Cooper as well, but I would say the aforementioned four is part of that guaranteed nucleus of guys that you want to have going with you while you surround them with some elite talent if you're hoping to Go make that splash and get the Lindor, get the story, or whoever may be available in the next couple of years. That's fine. But you got to have some more familiar faces. And just that idea of when you do bring a guy in, like, hey, look, we've kept this guy around for a while. Just so that fans and players and everybody around can trust that this organization is going to have some continuity and invest in the long term with certain players that deserve it. And Sandy Alcantara is one of the guys that is deserving of it. Very excited to see what he can do on a full season scale and to see how his arsenal continues to improve and how he continues to use his incredible versatility. Great year for Sandy. He's rolling in with momentum into 2021 and the Marlins rotation is going to be scary. Sandy is one of the fixtures in it and there's going to be a lot of guys competing for not a lot of spots next year, which is a good problem to have. Sandy will not be competing because he's cemented in there, but definitely a guy that plenty of the young arms and young power arms that the Marlins have can learn from. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the player preview or player review, excuse me, series. Player preview hopefully will be coming soon as I am already missing Marlins baseball. So hopefully we can get through this offseason quickly. I know there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff to be talked about. And I will be getting into more free agency and trade stuff as that moves forward, especially getting into the winter meetings. But hope you enjoyed this season review on Sandy Alcantara. Plenty of more season reviews to come. As always, feel free to fire any questions at me on Twitter at RMLateNate and at Locked on Marlins. A reminder that I actually just did an interview with Mike Fires on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, a really cool story with Mike Fires, a local guy who went to Nova Southeastern University. That's actually where he went last. He walked on at Broward Community College. A very cool story. Went to Deerfield Beach High School. Just definitely go check that out if you have any interest in hearing Mike Fires' incredible story and, of course, talking about his two no-hitters. So would appreciate any listens on that Locked On MLB Prospects podcast as well. But thank you for listening to Locked On Marlins and this review of Sandy. I look forward to talking Marlins with you tomorrow.